you tend to copy what you see that is working, huh? what you see working. And if you want to become a leader yourself and you have ambition and you see men who are more men at the top than women, then you would really tend to, to copy that because you want to be part of the group. You want to yeah, belong to the group. You're listening to the second part of my conversation with Frédéric Billet, Early Career Talent Manager at ING Belgium. If you haven't done it already, I invite you to listen to the first part of the conversation. Welcome to the Better Teams Podcast. Welcome to a new episode of the Better Teams Podcast. Vincent here, I am Product Manager at Antivals, a consultancy company helping you building better teams through training sessions, workshops, coaching, and interim management. You can find everything we do on our website, antivals.com. In this episode, we'll dig deeper into what it can mean to be a feminine leader. We'll discuss the importance of diversity and gender diversity in particular, why it's so important to fight for it and what can be done. We will talk about the ING International Talent Program and Frédéric's current mission to attract talented women. You will see what you can do as a potential candidate and especially a female candidate to maximize your chances to get in the program and we'll talk about what universities can do to reduce the gender gap of candidates. Last but not least, Frédéric will open up about a tough time in her career path when she got close to a burnout, what she has done and how she managed to shape a purpose to boost and guide her. Hopefully you will get some inspiration from her story and experience. Thank you for listening to the Better Teams podcast. Let's join Frédéric now. What I mean by feminine yeah. leadership is, you know, empathy, authenticity. And when I talk about authenticity is also being able to be vulnerable sometimes and being able to say, well, wait, I don't know. Or also that it's okay to make a mistake as long as you learn from it. So we said empathy, authenticity. One thing for me that is a feminine leadership and that I found so important nowadays is the sense of service, the sense of service your community. And that's what organizations do. That's the only thing they do. I mean, of course, you have also the manufacturing and yeah, the industrial stuff, and then you produce stuff. But for majority of the companies you're, we're in, it's about serving others. And I, for me, it's the feminine. The feminine is about ser the sense of service and the sense of concern. And when you think about nowadays, when we also focused on customer experience, that's the feminine. What does the, the other person need? And listen to them and find solutions that are really customized to their needs. Yeah, I would say maybe I could find more words but for the feminine leadership, but that's mm. already a, a good start. We are going to go back at some point to the ING program, but I remember we discussed the fact that you can have women in a, in a position and you can even have some companies nowadays talking about, or, or even public organizations talking about quotas, uh, saying that we need a certain amount of women or we need the same amount of women and men in, a, in an organization. But it could be that you could have women in an organization, but a masculine state of mind. So these women could yeah. not be really women yeah. in their jobs. Did you feel that you could have, yes, indeed women, yeah. but these women wouldn't be leading as yeah, from they the are? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, no, yeah, of course, uh, a lot. Um, I think it's a very tricky one. Uh, and it's a pitfall that women could experience quite easily because you tend to copy what you see that is working. 
huh? what you see working. And if you want to become a leader yourself and you have ambition and you see men who are more men at the top than women, then you would really tend to, to copy that because you want to be part of the group. You want to yeah, belong to the group. So one challenge for me, for example, as an early career talent manager is when I hire a female into the program is to make sure that they don't suppress that feminine and that they, they're conscious and aware that it's a very easy pitfall. Um, and that, you know, it's my role together with the manager and the mentor to make sure that they don't fall in this trap. We can talk about the program now a bit, a bit more. So now you, you became really aware that promoting women in leadership roles is important, making sure that people stay true to themselves in their work. So one of these fights is what you just said, uh, but I know that you regret that not enough women are uh, also uh, applying for the program. Uh, why, why do you think so few of them are applying? Uh, yeah. What impediments do you see in their ways? Yeah, maybe to also um, explain why yeah. I care about this gender diversity. Yeah. Yeah? I mean, I think that um, diversity in general, I care about um, race, nationality, age, sexual orientation, I think is key because also not only that it's part of who I am, but if you look at studies uh, and studies that were conducted by, you know, the big, some of the big um, companies like McKinsey or Deloitte or, you know, those companies that look into those, uh, those type of stuff, you see that there is a better employee satisfaction a better retention of employees, that the fundamentals, the financials are better, there is less volatility in those companies, and that you also drive greater innovations. And that's quite obvious, right? I mean, if you put the same people in a company, they, they, they continue to think in the same way, and don't, you don't create new stuff because you all think in the same way. So yeah, again, you limit yourself and you're not going to think out of the box. It's going to be very difficult to, to think out of the box. So for all those reasons, for me, it was very important to reach uh, a certain diversity. And I decided to tackle the gender diversity more because, yeah, I had to pick one. I picked this one. And also because it's in line, of course, with the strategy of ING. So now I'm trying to remember your question. Your question was... What, what's, what are ah, yeah. the impediments? The, the impediments. The, yeah. 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 The, the first impediment is that we have less uh, women applying for the bank, uh, in the bank and in the program in general. And I think it's because the banking world or the banking industry is less attractive for women. It has this image of, you know, being a bit old fashioned and, you know, stiff and boring. And, and, and I think nowadays women are, you know, very critical also about the type of company they want to uh, go for. And historical, right? I mean, bank always attracted more men. It was always more masculine world, very money focused. So uh, the first one is this one. The second one that we see is that we have uh, the, the, the period where the, they can apply and the vacancy. We have the vacancy open from October to September. So it's a full year and we take them as they come. If they're good, we, t we hire them and we have a limited number of spots. And what we see is w the ladies, they come very late, only in April or May. And when we ask them, why do you come so late? It was already open in October, November. 
And they say, yeah, it's because I wanted to make sure that I will get my master and I didn't want to uh, apply while I was still not certain. So they, and it's very good. They're very loyal. They don't want to, how can I say, um, maybe take a risk that they will not uh, have their master. But it plays against them because they come too late and sometimes we don't have a lot of spot left and therefore we don't come to this balance and equality uh, that we want. And the third one is um, they are less uh, good in showing their enthusiasm, energy, passion. They're a bit more reserved. And I'm not saying all of them. I'm, I'm just saying in general. They dare less to be also a bit bold sometimes uh, to be themselves. You know, they're more like they want to please. They want to be in this pleasing type of posture and they're showing less who they are, who they tr- truly are and what they truly think. And that's what we love. Um, also, um, what we hear a lot is that sometimes we have the feeling they're less prepared to those kind of interviews and selections. And they often said, yeah, I had a, you were the company of my dream and I only applied for ING. I, and again, it's good. We like the loyalty. We like the ethics, but it doesn't serve them because at the end, what I always say to the students at universities, when I go and give workshops and those kind of things, which I do um, and I love doing, uh, is if you have a company of your dream, it's so much at stake that you want to have some, you know, you want to be trained before you go. My advice is always go for companies that are less at stake for you to get trained, to get used to the type of, you know, questions and the type of uh, dynamics and interactions because you can read, huh? like I said, you can read, a little, but at the, at the end, it's only when you experience it that you get better. So that's something also that uh, I found unfortunate that they don't know. What are you trying to do to attract more women? And what do you think could help go faster? And if anybody, yeah. anyone can contribute to that, who yeah. could help? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to do, I, you know, all what I just described, I would love to be able to spread the message, Yeah. but massively, not only to those small groups of students that I see in a workshop. And by the way, the message applies to men and women. Huh? Don't, it's uh, uh, men appreciate that a lot as well uh, to receive those kind of advice. But, you know, when I thought about this and I was like, okay, how can I share the message? I reached out to the universities and I was hoping that they would have women network in the universities. And I found out that they don't have So what I'm trying to do now is to see uh, whether we could have those kind of networks, we could create those kind of networks or associations, uh, whatever you want to call them, but at least a way to reach out to a bigger number of women. And in majority of the, of the big corporates, you have those women networks. So why not having those women networks also in the universities? And same as in the big corporates, those networks are not only for women. They should also be open to men because a lot of the messages are relevant to men as well. But indeed, sometimes it might be messages that are more appropriate for women, um, a little bit more 
directed to them. And just simply because they have different issues with different, you know, types, um, different brains um, sometimes. Um, so it's important that also they get a message that is customized to them uh, and that answers their needs. So that's what I'm trying to do. Any um, organization, association, anybody would like to uh, address a message to about, about that directly or, or you think uh, you have it covered and you're just working step by step on developing these uh, communities of women? It's a difficult one. It's yeah. um, First of all, you know, I'm doing it, now I'm giving it a lot of attention and a lot of energy and sometimes I get the response that this is not the right moment because they mm. have to cope with what's happening and they have a lot of things to fix or fix figure out so it's it's moving very slowly yeah. too slowly to my uh, to my uh, yeah, for, to, to me taste. but yeah, to, yeah to my taste but okay that, that's okay that, mm. that, that's fine I mean it will take the time that it takes and at the same time we're thinking also maybe to organize some events especially for women um, workshops so we have other ideas as well next to that but yeah I wish it could uh, go a little bit faster. Yeah. And like you said, it's really not about putting women and men uh, back to back, like putting no. them one against another. But when we discussed the other day, you told me that some, some men take it bad, uh, these, these kind of um, women's circle or the way that yeah. you would like to empower women more because they um, feel kind of frightened or just because yeah. it's not fair for them that you could yeah. help a certain category of people. But I think personally, like first, as you said, it's, it should be open to anybody because it's yeah. good to have women and men talking, discussing these issues. The more you talk, the more you understand each other and the best yeah. it is. I think it's worth asking, what do you say usually? Or how do you take it usually when you have like um, someone's kind of yeah, frightened? But what can you say to, to people like that to make them accept this reality that yeah, women need to access these positions as well and maybe they need a push? Yeah, um, I think it's really going back to what it brings to an organization mm. to have this more feminine uh, leadership And, and I have to say that when you speak to them and you explain how much more collaborative we could work, and by the way, this is what is happening huh? more and more, the new way of working is a much more collaborative way that it used to be with the self-organized team, the agile way of working. Um, but I think they do understand that it's, it could make actually their life much better, uh, that they could, you know, give it more of a sense, a deep meaning of what they do instead of going for the performance and, you know, coming back to the, to the purpose. Um, so have a real impact and a real contribution beyond the pure, you know, materialistic aspect of things. And why are we doing this? And why are we doing this this way? So when you explain what it could bring and that at the end, as a man, you could also bring that if you let your feminine speak, they do get it. I think, to be honest with you, I think that actually men don't like when women try to be a, a masculine leader. They don't like it. They don't recognize it. They don't like, they feel there is a disconnect. They feel it's not authentic and it's not right. So what you're trying to say is, you know, actually we don't want that. We want more this feminine type of leadership. And, and when you talk about the, the threats 
of the feminine leadership, they, they like it. Yeah. By the way, I'm not so sure that men are very comfortable with this masculine leadership either. I think it's many of them suffer from that also. Exactly. It's not particularly natural. So a good yeah. balance would most probably be better. Yes. You are listening to the Better Teams podcast. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Did you know that my co-host Max is very active on YouTube? He produces weekly videos to share practical content for first-time leaders directly from his extensive experience. If you like to discuss management and leadership topics, you should definitely check it out. Go to Max Castera on YouTube after this episode, of course. But for now, let's go back to our conversation. Coming back to purpose, because that was um, maybe the, the one last main thing that I wanted to discuss with you. Yeah. is how you found your purpose. And I'd like to go back to a bit back in time when you got to ING. First, you became an IT process manager. Mm, yeah. And that time in your life, I think, yeah, sitting <laughs> in your face, I know it was kind of rough. And I, I wanted, I'm glad you accepted to talk about that time because it made you rethink a lot of things, I think. And, and I'd like yeah. to, if you want to tell us a bit more about what happened and what you, what you learned from it. Yeah, it was a big, big lesson. Uh, yeah, so what, in, in G, I was, you know, like I said, I was go changing job very, very frequently and I had several jobs, but always in risk, finance and operations. And it always included some process, project and people management. But it, it's quite, you know, it's not that large. It's not that diverse in the sense that risk and finance, they're very analytical jobs, operations a bit less, but still quite analytical, a certain type of analytical. So I always thought for myself as a person that I could love and, 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 and learn to enjoy pretty much everything. And this is where I reached my limits, clearly, because I, it, for me, it was... Okay, IT, you know, IT is important nowadays and it would be good experience for me to learn about IT. And who knows, maybe it becomes one of my passion. <laughs> and uh, no, it didn't at all. Uh, I was in the, in the dark for a year and a half. I didn't understand anything they were talking about. I had to hold workshops with experts in the pure IT infrastructure and development. And I didn't understand them. They were, you know... Also strong temper uh, with, you know, very, um, uh, with a lot of opinions and <laughs> it was awful. It was an awful experience. And then it was a big, again, one of the big hits uh, that I took. And then I realized, no, I don't enjoy everything. I cannot learn to enjoy everything. But I mean, I'm very grateful because it helps me so much and it helps me so much today to now understand a bit of the IT, you know, world and language. I see that was, again, I increased my knowledge and my skills, uh, but it was tough, very tough. And maybe what I want to say about purpose in relation to this is, you know, at the beginning I said, when you're young, take any experience, go for it, you know, surf on the age, uh, challenge yourself, stretch yourself. But at some point, Find out where your talents are and focus on your talents. Let them shine as much as possible. And don't bother too much about closing the gaps and being good in everything because that's not possible. And that's where purpose comes into place. You said you were in the dark during like more than a year. And yeah. I know that some people 
I'm sure feel that way too right now, nowadays. Uh, some people stay for a much longer time than you did in this position where they don't really, they feel they don't belong and they are struggling. What made you get out of this situation? Mm. There is um, this concept that I discovered not so long ago, and I think um, Maxime, my colleague, is, is, uh, is using it a lot, is the concept of uh, escape velocity. This um, amount of energy you need to, like a spaceship, mm. to escape from the gravity you're um, trapped into. So mm. the, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of motivation and, and grit to really escape that reality mm. you're trying to, to get away from. So what mm. saved you, in a way, uh, if I can put it that way, to, mm. to say, okay, that's no more. I don't want to do it anymore. I need to go. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good one. Um, if I look back at that time, um, I think what really helped me was to be very open to myself and to the others that I was not feeling good and to be also vulnerable actually, and to make myself vulnerable to say, this is not going well. And I mean, people around me had to also say, yeah, we see that. So they, they confirmed. And then to have the discussion, okay, wh what's next? I think maybe it's also a, a bit of self-caring that when you're finding out that you're close to a burnout, maybe it's your natural instinct to say, okay, I, how far, you know, how deep am I going to fall until I, you know, do something about it? So I think a couple of things, listen to my body, listen to myself, accept uh, that, accept that I cannot be good in everything I do and that this was not my area to shine, but also make myself vulnerable and be able to talk about it. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. But you managed to do that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The purpose came later. Did you have um, methods, tools, or um, any ways of thinking to, to shape that purpose or to identify or even to phrase that purpose? What, yeah. what helped you? What helped yeah. you? So ING is, uh, is now ru running a workshop. Uh, they offer it to all employees. So every level in the organization, it's a two days workshop. They co-created it with an organization called CLI, the Core Leadership Institute. And it's a very well-sought workshop and process where they take you, first of all, back into your, what they call crucible stories. You do a lot of peer coaching, you're part of small groups in your table, and you share some of the, the moments in your life that transformed you, whether it was conscious or unconscious but really had a big impact on you. So that's the first part. The second part is you go into your proudest moments. So that can be, you know, the when you talk about your crucible moments, you're in the deep. And that could be, you know, the up uh, of the hill, huh? the, the proudest moment. How do I get out of uh, this? And when you do that, when you do this exercise, and when you tell a few stories of crucible and proudest moments, you're going to see a trend. You're going to see a trend of how did I cope with it? What resources I had internally? What was driving me on that moment? What gives me energy? What am I good at? All those things come clear. And that's not the only thing you go through. But I would say those two ones were very key because you see a trend. You have your table mate who give you a lot of feedback. They listen to your stories. They're going to 
you know, write down and listen and give you the feedback. So you're like, wow, it's a big mirror in your face. Then you also have professional coaches coming and listening and trying to guide you and highlight stuff that you don't see. Huh? It's in your, um, how do you call it again? Um, the blind know, the, spot. In a way. The blind yeah. spot. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. It's your blind spot. And after two days of really intense, and it's super, super intense, it's really very tiring, but very, very powerful workshop. Um, after two days, you come with a purpose statement and they really make it... Um, it's two days where they insist a lot on a purpose statement. Why? Because it's a purpose statement that you should always remember and that you should always keep in mind so that in decisions that you have to make in the future, they, it helps you. When you have key decisions to make, you should always think, is it aligned with my purpose statement? Yes or no. And preferably, it should be a statement that makes you enthusiastic and, and joyful. Uh, because then if you don't feel that joy and if you don't feel that enthusiasm, it's probably because you're not there yet. It should be like, yeah, this is so much me and this is so much what uh, is important to me. Yeah, it's your inner compass. We call it also inner compass. What does your statement look like? <laughs> um, it's a simple one, uh, but it really, it really helps me. It's to be the Pepsi sunshine that helps the flower you are to there. And it has a lot of components. Huh? The, the reason of Pepsi is because I found myself, you know, full of energy and a bit like bubbling inside. And there's this fire of wanted to do a lot of things and full of energy in the sun, shine with the sun. Uh, and that's for maybe also the kind of warm personality that I have and that I got this feedback. And the flower, it's because I see the individuals as a flower, the human beings as a flower. Huh? The more you grow, the more you open up. But also that's what I would encourage you to be, to open up and be curious about what it's outside, what it's in the world. So encourage the flower you are to dare. And the daring, we talked about it, right? I mean to go for it, say yes, take new opportunities, try out. You have it tattooed somewhere? <laughs> no, no tattoo at all. It's not my, uh, it's not okay. my stuff. <laughs> no, no. So we started from daring and we are ending with daring. I think it's a, it's a full natural circle. If I give you the final say, yeah. uh, who do you want to send a message to? Yeah, good one. Um, I would say to men and women, Uh, regardless of the gender, let your feminine speak. So that's the one, one message. The other message is more to women this time is pay attention to your feminine and not lose and suppress your feminine because you have sometimes, again, uh, the masculine running, you know, the world and some organization. So Be very conscious of that because I think that's what you can really bring in an organization, your feminine characteristics. And be confident, be yourself, be, you know, be bold in daring to be yourself because that's what we all want and we all appreciate the most is when people are bold enough to be themselves and to be self-confident. So I think that's what would be my, my final word. Great. Final say. Thanks a lot, Frédéric. My pleasure. Thank you really, to you also, Vincent. Yeah, it was really nice talking to you. Yeah, same. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like this podcast, uh, please give it a good review. You can also join our Better Teams podcast growing community on Facebook where you can start interacting with other fellow listeners and directly ask us questions that we can address in the next episode. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode.